exciting and new. You are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that and like you right now. So be encouraged and let your light shine. not allowed to watch it and so (gasps) we snuck it was on on thursday nights when mom and dad went to um home group home group and our babysitter let's watch it (gasps) holly casagranda (laughs) holly casagranda (laughs) she made us milkshakes and brushed our long hair oh wow that sounds like a watch great babysitter she was Bruce, you're going to have to watch a YouTube version of the No, you would not appreciate it. <laughs> Probably not. No. <laughs> Welcome to our special edition of the Shine Podcast. It is the month of love, February, and we have a special surprise in store for you. For the next four weeks, we're going to be talking all about love and marriage and divorce and singlehood. We wanted to shine the light on the subject of relationships. Thanks for tuning in. My name's Birdie. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Valentine's. I am... (laughs) Well, it's Birdie and... Birdie and... I thought you said Vertie. No, Birdie. Birdie. Sounds (laughs) Twitter-pated. It does. Patty. Kati last week. Oh, I like, what did you say again? Katya. Katya. It's Birdie and Katya. And we are here today with our oldest elder. <laughs> Probably not by age. I'm not sure, but. Yeah, I'm we not are... the oldest by age. <laughs> okay. By far. By far. <laughs> we are here with the Streifler couple. Bruce and Monica Streifler, and we're going to be talking all about love and marriage today. So welcome, Bruce and Monica. Welcome. Good to be here. And in case you don't know, this is Beth. And this is Kate. And we're your hosts. So Monica and Bruce have been at the Upper Room. Bruce has been here forever since he is one of the co-founders of the Upper Room Fellowship, him and his brother Dave. Along, you probably got to hear a little bit about that from his mom, Shirley Streifler, if you listen to Shirley's podcast. But if you haven't listened to it, yes, she's amazing. It's phenomenal history about our church and the Upper Room Fellowship. So Bruce can tell us lots of stories because he's been here for over 50 years. Yeah, well, it started 50 years ago in October this coming year. Okay. Oh, we're having a big, are we having a celebration? Yeah, October's 50 years. Okay, we're having a birthday party in October. But Bruce has been with us since the beginning, and Monica has been here for 32 years, probably. Longer than that, because our family started coming. Oh my gosh, we're getting old. Okay, so (laughs) Monica has been here for a really long time, too. She's not as ancient as Bruce. (laughs) We won't do the math, but anyhow. <laughs> we did with Manuel. I don't think I put that in the podcast, though. The math? Yeah. How long they'd been married. We did all the math with oh, you guys yeah. and Carmen and Manuel, because they are almost 10 years apart. We Not are, that we're, we're 11 and a half years apart. Yeah. 
Yes, that's, <laughs> we don't talk about that. We have young girls listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I told Manuel the podcast, I said, that's great for you and for everyone until it's my daughter. And then I'm not sure it's <laughs> right. <laughs> it's fine. It's great. It's good. Bruce has been in leadership at the Upper Room from the beginning, and Monica has been heavily involved in leadership as well at the Upper Room. She started coming the, here. The fact of the matter is, she was the secretary at one point, and so one of the pastors ran off with the secretary. <laughs> Scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> she was overage, everyone who's listening. <laughs> and she was not married, and neither was he. So, <laughs> yeah, no scandal. <laughs> So we're talking today about <laughs> marriage. We think marriage is a very important topic at our church and for families and our community. And so we're going to shine the spotlight on marriage for a little bit. So Monica and Bruce, why don't you guys tell us about your love story? Well, I was Jaden and Kana's age, girls, when our family started coming to the upper room. I was in eighth grade. And I noticed... This really handsome guy on the worship team who worshiped with all of his heart and like his love for Jesus just exuded out of his being. And I just thought he was amazing. And I could not figure out why he wasn't married yet. Now she knows. <laughs> <laughs> so when I first met Monica, she was in eighth grade and I was already out of college. So I wasn't really looking for her to light me up in any way. <laughs> But after, however, after a few years, we got to know each other and became friends, and I discovered that she was emotionally intelligent and very mature for her age, and I also was attracted to the fact that she loved Jesus with all her heart, and she was um, living for the kingdom above all else, and so that was high on my list for a person, and she was cute, so... <laughs> so. Well, fast forward several years and my senior year in high school, and of course, everyone is like, what am I going to do with my life? And I I told God, send me to Africa, I'll do whatever, but really, I really just want to be married and have a family. I used to lay in the grass and look at the sky and watch the clouds go by and name my 12 children. I was like, I just wanted to be married and have a family. And I remember this one day, I was sitting on the bed and I... Was just like, look, God, will you just tell me who I'm, who I'm going to marry? Because high school boys are dumb. I mean, I raised high school boys and I love them, <laughs> but they're dumb. I just want to know who you have for me because I don't want to waste my life. This one day, I just had it out with God. I'm like, will you just tell me who I'm going to marry? Because I do not want to mess around. I don't want to waste my time. So I was just sitting there and I'm not lying and I'm not exaggerating when I've never before and never since God spoke to me in an audible voice and he just said, Bruce Streetfler. And I was like really quiet for a minute. And I was like, what? It was like real. And I just, what? Really? Like, he's too amazing for me. You know, I just thought, <laughs> okay, God, you know, and I just kind of left it, left it there. And I, I was just kind of in awe. I've never experienced that, but... That summer, I had worked with a woman at our church. She was like a mentor to me. She was an older lady. And we worked at the same place. 
And I would visit her on her lunch breaks in her little booth that she was in. And she was my prayer warrior. And she was always asking me, how can I pray for you? What can I pray for this week? And so we were just chit-chatting. And I'm like, Nancy, like, this is really weird. So I just explained to her what had happened. And I didn't tell another soul. I didn't tell anybody. Because I I know you just don't go around telling people, oh, God, tell me. I'm going to marry Bruce Stiefler. I didn't feel that way about it. I was just like, God, is that what? Really? But I knew she would just pray. So I just told her I left it there and went on with my life. So my part of the story is that about that time I was in a small group and one of the things we did one particular week was uh, write down prayer requests, put them in a hat, and then each person would draw one. And so I was there deliberating about, you know, how vulnerable do I get writing this stuff out? You know, well, I ended up being authentic and you know, the desire of my heart at that time was I wanted to be married. So my request was, you know, Lord, bring somebody, you know, the right person into my into my life. And so I wrote that down, put that in the box and or in the hat, and lo and behold, who would get my prayer request but this same lady that Monica had talked to at work. She got my prayer request, and I never learned of Monica's story until sometime after we were married. I still get overwhelmed thinking that God spoke my name out loud. I'm just still in awe at that. Yeah, I didn't tell him until we were married. And I didn't know about Nancy. I don't think she told us until, because you didn't know who got your prayer request, so she didn't tell us till. So fast forward a little more. It was near the end of my senior year, and our church was sending a team to India. And I think, was this the first time you'd been there? First time I'd been there, yeah. So Bruce was on the team. There were several other people going, and I really wanted to go to India to the children's home, because that was one thing I thought maybe I could do with my life is work in an orphanage somewhere. I just loved kids. I was willing to do that. But it was a five-week trip. I couldn't miss that much school. It's right in the middle of your senior term paper, and I ended up not going. But Bruce went. While he was gone, we were going about our life, and I had an opportunity to go visit a college in Kansas. And my sister Beth and I went and our friend Mark, not not her husband Mark, a different Mark. <laughs> boyfriend Mark. <laughs> boyfriend Mark. <laughs> but he, he um, drove us out there. I had a relative who worked at this college anyway. That's a whole other story and I won't go into all that. But on our way home, which had kind of been disastrous. All, I mean, it was just like too far from home. I didn't want to be that far from home. We were in a car accident, and it was very scary, and it was life-altering for me, especially, and we ended up in the hospital in Wheeling, West Virginia, in a, at a trauma center, and Beth had a collapsed lung and a bruised spleen, and she had, like, tubes going into her, and I had a spinal cord injury, and I was paralyzed from the waist down, and we had scores of people that came and visited us. Our church family here at the Upper Rim was amazing. And so while we were in the hospital, Bruce came home from India. So, yeah, my family picked us up at the airport and we had been away for five weeks. And back in those days, you didn't get much information. So they didn't know much, hardly anything about the trip at all. And, you know, we don't don't have Internet connections like we do now. And uh, so they were anxious to hear about the trip, but I could tell there was something on their minds. And, you know, they told us that the Altamira girls were in a serious car accident and it looked really serious, especially for Monica. You know, she was still in the hospital. And my sister says she remembers me just kind of <laughs> taking special note of that. And uh, so anyway, that was the first I had learned about the car accident. And so then 
shortly after we got home, we went and visited down in the hospital. So I remember laying there. I was trapped in this bed that, and I had tubes and wires all over me. And I think you had gone home by then. I think Beth had gone home because my mom stayed with us there. But the group of people that came took my mom to lunch, except Bruce. So it was Bruce and I alone in the hospital room. And he is showing me he is showing me his pictures from India and telling me the stories from India. And all of a sudden, it just comes flooding back to me what God had spoken, that you're going to marry Bruce Striefler. And I'm laying there, sorry, <laughs> in this bed and uh, with a broken body. And I just thought, God, nobody's going to want a broken woman, especially this guy who's amazing and travels the world and is active. And I just thought that couldn't have been you. And if it was, then you, you know. You have to work a miracle because <laughs> I just couldn't see anybody wanting a woman with half of a working body. <laughs> and so there I lay and there he was beside my bed, just sharing about what happened in India. And he kept coming back week after week. And I was moved to a rehabilitation hospital in Swickley, Pennsylvania. And every single Tuesday night, Bruce and Rich Selden would come up and they'd bring their guitars, and the therapy wing was closed in the evenings up there. And we would go down the hallway by the physical therapy area. Nobody was around, and we'd have our own little home group. We'd just worship and pray and talk about Jesus. And I just felt like I was starting to fall in love with this beautiful man. <laughs> I did not know what he was thinking, but he just kept coming back week after week. So our relationship grew, and we got to know each other and kept seeing each other over the summer. And, you know, one of my things was I felt like it was important to let Monica know, play with all my cards on the table, you know, just to let Monica know where I was at. And I'd seen so many relationships end poorly, you know, crash and burn. And at the very least, I wanted to come away with a friend. And so I always let Monica know where I was at. You know, sometimes that proved to be awkward. I remember the first time she told me she loved me, and <laughs> I said, thank you. <laughs> no, you didn't say anything. I think you you pretended like you didn't hear me. <laughs> so I just let go. Like that. So anyway, it's like I wasn't ready yet and didn't want to say anything I wasn't didn't really mean. And so then I remember the time, too, when I said, you know, I'm not sure I can deal with the disability, you know, if I'm I can live with that full time. And she cried. and But I kept seeing her and kept yeah. going. And he never quit coming to see me. He never quit asking me out on dates. I was like, okay, God, like if it's meant to be, it will be. And I knew Bruce well enough by that point that I knew he did not make decisions in a hurry. And he needed time. I'm kind of amazed that I knew that about him. So there's there Bruce. came a point where I got this prophetic word. It was kind of like the word that Joseph received about Mary. She was pregnant with Jesus. And, you know, it was, you know, don't be afraid to take this woman as your wife. And But Monica wasn't pregnant. Me, no. <laughs> I was not <laughs> pregnant, though. <laughs> yeah, that's important. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's not a complete analogy. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, you got me all plus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> you got the word from God. Oh, yeah. You got a word from God. So that reassured my heart. And I will, I'll never forget the day he told me he loved me. And I knew it was serious. 
because I knew he really meant it. And uh, it was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that was really good. So that was in November. He told me he loved me. And I had told him in October. New Year's Eve, 1988. No, no, seven. seven. We had been at some friend's house at New Year's Eve parties. We had gone to a couple different friends' houses. And on our way home, he well, he dropped me off at my house. We're parked in front of my house. And he pops his trunk. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I have a New Year's present for you. So he gets out and goes and gets this little box. And I open up this box. And there's a ring in the box. And he pops the question. And here we are 32 years later. (laughs) (laughs) How long was your engagement? We got engaged in January 1st. Got married October 15th. It was nine months. I was a baby. (laughs) I was 19. He was not a baby. (laughs) Yeah. So that it works out. Yeah. (laughs) We were talking about how Monica's been married for half her life for a long time, but it's just been a couple years for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) We just had that conversation with Hope and Brian. Hope was saying Uh how weird it is when you get to that point where you're with that person for longer Mm -hmm. than you have been been alone, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So what have you learned about God in the past 32 years of your marriage? I have learned that God is really, really good. (laughs) I honestly did not think there would be anybody that would want to love me. And here is this man who is precious and beautiful and loves me with all of his soul and being. And honestly, I am overwhelmed with God's goodness and his provision. And it's better than I thought it could be. So there's many things involved with that. But I would say the big thing is that God is good. Like I mm-hmm. like I have certainty in my heart because of the gift God's given me in Bruce. I would say Can I say something first? Yeah. The joke in our family is <laughs> if Monica and Bruce are ever at odds about anything, mom always sides with Bruce because Bruce is like Jesus. <laughs> and so Monica must be in the wrong if there is a rift between the two. <laughs> It's rough. It's rough. Let me tell you. It is. We're always like, if my mom always sided with Chris. Always sides with Bruce. (laughs) Well, I'd have to say that I have seen the love of God face to face. That I have learned that his loving kindness is new every morning. That his love is incredibly wonderful. And that it's always much more than I deserve. And through Monica, I've been taught... Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So this has been an unfolding revelation through the years. But really, I saw it at the very beginning. And in fact, I wrote a song for our wedding. And the gist of it was, because of you, I have seen what God's like. Are we going to link that in the bio? Your song? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if there's a recording of it. Video. Video. (laughs) Oh, that would be fun. (laughs) I don't know. I think Chris would roll with that. Quality. Yeah. Well, it was a VHS, you 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 know. You could just tell them. (laughs) <laughs> At least they wrote a song. <laughs> Where's your song, Chris? That's what you can tell <laughs> I think that is beautiful that you guys see the goodness of God through your relationship and marriage. 
and that that paints a beautiful picture of what marriage can be like and should be like. But oftentimes, I think sometimes we romanticize what marriage should be and that it's maybe before you get married, you think it's all like <laughs> rainbows and unicorns <laughs> or, or whatever. After marriage, Mark and I started shopping in the sympathy card section when we went to marriages. <laughs> Wedding. When you went to weddings? <laughs> yes. When we went to weddings, we're like, where's the condolence card? <laughs> we love each other. But it was harder than we thought it was going to be. And I think it's it's good for people and couples to talk about struggles that they've gone through and how you have worked through it and come out stronger and better on the other side Mm -hmm. or that you came out together. I think a lot of times people feel like, oh, this is hard. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to work through this or fight through this. So can you guys share with us a struggle that you guys have gone through in your marriage and how you processed that and worked it out and how you came out on the other side of that? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, man, there's lots of struggles we could tell you about. (laughs) But from our experience, there's a uh, common thread that runs through all of ours. Mm -hmm. And so what we found is the pain and turmoil of our struggles is greatly amplified when we don't communicate. And so we can be talking, all right, but that doesn't mean we're connecting. And I've discovered in the midst of conflict, usually safety was my goal rather than connection. And I think we've all been there you know, somehow you end up on the witness stand and you feel like you need to give a defense for yourself. And my defense mechanisms would kick in, the fight, flight, and freeze responses to perceived danger. And so for me, when things got tense, first I would clam up and then rather than blow up, I would leave. So my goal for the relationship became a safe distance rather than a safe connection. So I found If I move toward Monica in those moments, those moments when really I wanted to go in the opposite direction, our conflict had a whole different outcome. In fact, it was a positive one. So growing up, I pretty much avoided confrontation at all costs. And so this was way outside my comfort zone. But when I laid down my need to be right and stuck around and tried to really hear her, I found out I could learn something, something valuable. You know, there have been occasions when Monica was torqued about something or other, and maybe it wasn't even me, but just her tone of voice would have me reaching for my shield. And She does have Italian blood in her. (laughs) (laughs) I do. So if I could just push past that and move towards connection, it made a world of difference. And at times, you know, in the heat of the battle, you don't really say what you want to say or it doesn't come out right. And and so I would try to hear past the words. And and I found out if I did, I could gain some new insights. And sometimes it was a way I could bless Monica in the future. That's the positive way of saying I learned I blew it and I missed an opportunity in the present. Or other times it was an insight and maybe it was a blind spot I had about myself. Ian Cron is the one who said, ignorance is bliss, except when it comes to self-awareness. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's the Enneagram guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we introduce our numbers yes, now? Yes, I think we should. Let's. <laughs> I'm a one. That's, that's part of the struggle. <laughs> it is part of the struggle. I think we should totally talk about that. What did you say? I'm sorry. I'm a one. I'm a two. At least we're One neighbors. wing nine, two wing three. Mm-hmm. Oh, so wing. Mm-hmm. We wing Opposite. Opposite. At least for neighbors. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You're from Mars. <laughs> so along these same lines about 
pressing in during conflict, one of Monica's love languages is touch. And years ago, she told me, you know, when we're having a spat, if you would just touch me, I'll melt. And for me, you know, in the heat of the moment, I mean, that felt like uh, reaching in to pet the growling t- tiger. <laughs> no way! <laughs> that just didn't seem like the safe thing to do. Come out with a couple fingers less. <laughs> but one time I got brave enough to try it, and sure enough, it worked. It's like, <laughs> you know, it just like uh, completely diffused the whole situation. So... I got to keep doing this. (laughs) And so, yeah, always moving toward connection, especially when it's not the direction you'd naturally go. That's redeemed a lot of conflicts for us. Yeah. When we were first married, well, we had our really, our first fight on our honeymoon. Ooh. And it was (laughs) about gifts. I was bringing home, I wanted to bring home all these these stickers for all my kids in my Sunday school class and gifts for my sisters and my brother and my nieces and nephews. And, he's and everybody like, else she knew. <laughs> and he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's not Christmas. Yeah. It's yeah. not a holiday. They're just, right? just like little things to bring home. He's like, he was so upset about it. And then I was, the, so then I like, anyway, we had a big fight. It was at Bar Harbor, Maine. On over the wharf. The, on the wharf. And like oh, a storm no. was rolling over the water. Like The perfect storm. Yeah, that sounds like it would have been very anyway, dramatic. It was very dramatic. Yeah. Who won? Well, I brought home the presents. <laughs> <laughs> but that became like a, a huge conflict, you know, mm-hmm. how we, especially gift giving. Very early in our marriage, we t- had taken some sort of test. I don't think it was the DISC profile yet, but it was something else. And it was kind of comprehensive. And it had this category of like how you view things. How And in the area of finances, Bruce views finances as security. And I view it as love, ways to express love. And this light bulb went on in my head like, oh, my goodness, this is why we're, we have a struggle with this. He feels like I'm giving away his security and I feel like he's clammed up and hanging on to my love. And I was like, this is why we're fighting about this. And it was revelation and we were able to talk about it. And I was able to, we had a budget then. It's like, okay, give giving is really important for me and staying in a budget is really important for him. And so we worked it out, but we worked it out because we had a deeper understanding of each other and how we view things. Right, because the arguments have a deeper root yes. issue than yes. taking some stickers home. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not it. And so yeah. that started my journey into like understanding how we're wired. It just became so fascinating to me. And shortly after that, we got into the DISC profile, which we used to do all the time. And it helped me so much understand because we are we are very different. The other day I said something to Bruce. I'm like, well, we are different. He's like, yeah, we sure are. <laughs> you know, we think yeah. different. We feel different. Like he didn't even know he had feelings until he married me. He's like, I didn't I didn't think I had feelings until I married you. And I'm like everybody has feelings. Like, what are you talking about? Nobody asked about them before. What was and- your main feeling? Annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I thought I was happy, and now there's something else going on. <laughs> oh I can goodness. say this. We're sisters. Yeah. She brought me stickers <laughs> from our honeymoon. I brought you a bear. Oh, yeah. I brought yes. you home a bear. That's right. <laughs> Teacher bear. Well, that reminds me kind of. Which I financed. <laughs> Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> the landfill somehow. Still have the bear. <laughs> so. Yeah, that sent me into a dive, a deep dive into figuring out how we're wired. And we came across, that's when the love languages came out. 
and that like opened up a world for us because my primary love language is touch. His that's didn't know anything near about that. the bottom for him. Mm-hmm. His bottom is probably gifts, and then touch is next at the bottom, I think. And so, like understanding, because I came from a very touchy family, and he did not. Kiss, I feel you on and that. Words <laughs> like kissing Catholics. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we were. Um, and so it's just interesting, like when you understand how to fill each other's love tanks up. Which, if you've never read the love language, it's a simple, easy read. I feel like it's so important and it is so helpful and it does help you through your conflicts and in your conflicts. And what I realized, like for him, his primary one is acts of service and words of affirmation. They're both pretty high. And when I realized how important words were to him, like my tone of voice mattered to him because I can be like, there are times even now I'll be like really upset about something or like I just have a lot of emotion I say I have all the emotion for our family because <laughs> my husband, and my kids, none of them are very emotive. I have it all. I say, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just like mad at the situation. I reassure him because my tone of voice can instantly shut him down. And when I learned that, then that was easier for us to work through issues. And there'd be times I'd write him a letter because I knew he wouldn't be able to hear through my fervor or my passion or my how upset I was or whatever. So that has been such a help for us to understand how we're wired and the Enneagram, which I've kind of been diving into the last several years, has been like revelatory on a mind-blowing level. And it has been really good for both of us. I feel like though, somewhere along the line, we had to, I realized Bruce is for me. He's not against me. And there I remember this moment. We were in our bedroom. He was like at his dresser, getting something off the dresser. And he said something to me and it like pierced me. And I was like, you did not just say that. And he, and I realized in that moment, I could like get really mad and really offended. But also in that moment, I'm like, he doesn't mean that because I know that's not his heart for me. And because I know his heart, I could say, do you realize what you said, how how it like hit me? When I told him, he was like, oh my goodness, no, I would never want to do that to you. I was like, I know you didn't want to do that to me, but that's how I felt. But we were able to work through and communicate through that. We were able because I realized he's for me and he realizes I'm for him. Neither of us want to hurt each other. That's never our intention. It does happen. Every time Chris and I argue, that's how Chris starts our fight. I am for you. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. I go, bing! (laughs) (laughs) I go raging as well. But Chris is always like, Kate, we are a team. Mm -hmm. I'm with you and I'm for you while I'm like, you know. But yes, it's just so true. And it's good to be reminded because it's easy to put your shield up, like you were saying. I got my shield. I'm going to hang out. But that's Mm -hmm. such a good statement. We're for each other. So that has transformed your relationship is really understanding mm-hmm. how you function mm-hmm. and what, you know, whether it's the love language or the disc profile or the Enneagram, understanding yourself mm-hmm. and then having understanding towards your spouse. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that just because they're different than you doesn't mean they're against you right. or it's been they have so good. two heads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or they're crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been life-changing for us and I'm so grateful for all the tools that God provides for us mm-hmm. because relationships are not easy no matter how much you love each other. I love him more than 
anything on the face of this earth. And there are times I'm just like, I get so upset. I get offended. And God gives us tools. He gives us things that we can use because he does. Marriage is something so significant. And it is to be a picture to the world of how Jesus loves. And we often get it wrong. And it's worth working on. It's worth working for. And it is work, but it's worth it. So you guys have done a lot of premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. This is off the cuff, Bruce. Sorry. I didn't give you this question ahead of But you guys have done premarital counseling for a lot of young couples getting mm-hmm. married. What would you say to any of our listeners who are out there that are in that stage of, you know, thinking about getting married or they're dating or they're looking for the next step? What do you guys feel like is a key to continuing on in a healthy relationship and working towards marriage? I think one thing that's really important is realizing another person is not going to complete you. You are a whole person complete in Jesus, and you need to be the best of who he made you to be. Someone else isn't going to make you better. Not that the, I feel like being married does, because you have to work and it does make you a better person. But in and of yourself, as you enter into marriage, you need to feel like you are whole in who God made you to be. Because who you are is a gift to your spouse. It's going to be a gift to your children. Who you are is a gift. Mm -hmm. And you need to see that for yourself first. You can't depend on somebody else to complete you or to fill a hole or because then it will never be enough. It won't be good. That's good. What she said. (laughs) (laughs) So COVID's been happening over Mm -hmm. the last 10 months and we've heard a lot of celebrity couples breaking up and we know that this has caused a lot of strain on marriages and relationships. And so tell us what your advice is for couples in the midst of a hard season like COVID to keep your love on. I think it's really important. I think this is important in general, but especially in difficult situations to not look at the things that irritate you about your spouse in a way that like exasperates you, but to like let those things become endearing. I know for us, we're very different. And so quarantine for him is kind of like a joy ride. (laughs) He has been very content and happy and I have not. It has been torture. I have been tortured by it. But we do one thing we, we keep saying, we keep saying this is that I'm so glad we like each other so much. There's nobody else I'd rather be trapped in the house with than Bruce. <laughs> but I, I have said, you do need to talk to me more. <laughs> I need your words. <laughs> you need to talk to me. But I do think it's important because you will find when you look to find things that irritate you, you're going to find them. So rather than be irritated by them, let those things become things that like endear them to you. Like, Oh my gosh, that's just who they are. Not destructive or dangerous or abusive things. I'm right. not talking about things like that. One day Leaving I'm not the toilet going to have up. whiskers around my sink to clean up. Yeah. Now <laughs> sad yeah. about it. You know, just to be grateful. Find things every day. If you're struggling with your spouse, find things to be grateful for for them. Gratitude. Like we did that, a podcast on gratitude. That is, that changes how your perception. Yep. When you come in with gratitude, it changes your, rather than irritation. Yes. I was so going to say something similar. Just learning to appreciate the differences about your spouse. I mean, like the goal is not to make Monica like me. And mm. that, that would be a sad thing, you know, if there was two of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but we would go- not get very good Christmas gifts. <laughs> 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 this is very true. <laughs> the goal is to encourage them to be all that they were designed to be. And so, you know, like Monica is like totally different. And for me, when the the shutdown first happened, you know, like it's inspired all this creativity and, you know, I was energized and Monica was like just the complete opposite. You know, she couldn't focus on anything and she couldn't get anything done. She had gobs of time and just, blah. Mm-hmm. and so rather than, you know, nag her or tell her you should be like me, I've tried to draw out who she is and encourage that and, and let her bloom as she blooms and, you know, be the flower she was designed to be and, and I'm me and she's her and, and that's a beautiful thing and not trying to control that or manipulate that or shame that into something else and but to, just to really appreciate that and kind of goes on what we were saying earlier just about, you know, those those differences that we have, when you learn to appreciate them, they really become additional strengths in your armory, you know, it's like, you know, you have more tools, you have more weapons, you have more beauty, you have more, you know, than you would if you were just all one thing, you know, you're just really able to spread out and conquer more and influence more and do more and appreciate more and all that. And I appreciate (laughs) one of the thing, one of the ways that I saw you jump into uh, Monica's world during COVID was I really appreciated all your crazy outfits for the for your family dinners. That was awesome. Because I feel like that's just one really kind and genuine way to say I am not only going to participate, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go in head first. We did not think that Bruce Streifler was going to be competition for the dress up aspect of family fun nights. Right. And the Shellers had some competition. So, you know, <laughs> when Enneagram 1s move into health, they can take on characteristics of 7s. Must have been pretty healthy then. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also just a really kind way to love Monica. I, I she was, was trying I to just find... was so, like, blessed by that. And for those, I feel like I should explain yeah. what we're talking about. During quarantine, we quarantined with my sister and her family and my mom and... Mark and my sister's mother-in-law. And so we had this little pod. And so we decided to create family Friday family fun nights. And Jaden and I had a theme and we cooked the food and we decorated. We used stuff in our house. And then we had everybody come dressed as that theme. And it was just low key and we because we needed something. And Bruce showed up every week in a crazy costume that just he just stole the he show. Won every he week, won every week. Yeah. And that was that blessed my heart. Yes. Blessed my heart so much I felt. I just feel like that's such a great example of like, you don't have to be like me. Yeah. Yeah. Be part of what you need right now. Okay. So for the two of you, people do struggle sometimes with talking about how they personally let their light shine. You can take a moment and speak for each other. Monica, how does Bruce let his light shine? Bruce, how does Monica let her light shine? We took that question to mean how how do they shine their light in our relationship, in our marriage, in our relationship. Oh my goodness, I could like go on and on. Bruce has this brilliant, gentle light that he shines on me. And I feel like I understand God's grace and unconditional love because of how Bruce loves me. He is so patient. He is so kind. Like, I don't know that I I know a kinder man. He is faithful and he is actually passionate about things and he is wise 
and he, he just shines all of that. And there's the thing that I love so much is like, there's no shame. There is no like uh, manipulating or controlling, or he's just this gracious, gentle, beautiful soul that I feel like his light is just so nourishing. I just do often feel overwhelmed by God's grace because of how Bruce loves me in his patient, kind way. He brings uh, just peace. For me, maybe I took this a little different. I'd say, not surprisingly, you know, how I see God in our marriage, or I've seen God in our marriage, is also the way Monica shines. She just loves people well. She has a special place in her heart for kids. She's always writing notes and sending flowers and and letting people know how they're loved and appreciated. She's the queen of hospitality. She just enjoys doing special things for people in a special way. And she shines through the way she loves people. So I get to be the recipient of that every day, you know. It's like, I mean, I find notes in my lunchbox, and she'll give me random gifts, and she'll just ask me, what do I need? And serve me in different ways. You know, like she mentioned, one of my love languages is acts of service. And so just kind of doing stuff, you know, that would normally fall on my plate or, you know, stuff that I'm kind of responsible for and helping out with that. When she enters her budget stuff in Mint, you know, it's it's all like speaking my love language. And so I just, she just loves people well. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. Want me to wrap it up? No, don't wrap it up. We have to ask him if there's anything random, funny. yes. Anything funny you want to tell us? Anything else you want to share with us? Promise you won't tell anybody else? Not a soul. Not a soul. (laughs) It's just the four of us. (laughs) Before Monica and I were married, we did not kiss each other until we were engaged. Wowza. (laughs) That is not my story. (laughs) (laughs) We'll hear about that in a couple of weeks. Is that something you decided, both of you? I think I initiated it. He, he decided that, yeah. There's a couple things. He had decided it before he met me. So a couple things motivating that. One, I mean, probably the primary thing was I just wanted to love Monica for who she was and not for what she could give me. And in a lot of relationships where, you know, they get involved romantically or sexually before the marriage and kind of end up later wondering, you know, do I really know this person? You know, I know I like sex and I know I like romance, but they find Mm -hmm. out maybe I didn't really like this person. (laughs) And so I, I just really wanted to be best friends with the person I married. And so I wanted to focus on that and our relationship and communication and so that that was a big thing. I will oh say this. Goodness. I had a list in my diary, in the back of my diary, of what I wanted in a husband. When I was 16, I probably made this list. And on it was somebody that's a good kisser. And so when I said yes, I would marry him, I did not know if he was or not. He's a very good kisser. <laughs> <laughs> TMI. <laughs> I was taking a risk and saying yes. That is is a risk. Because that was important to me. Mm -hmm. Because I had some bad kisser. Ew. Dumb high school boys. Dumb high school boys are bad kissers. (laughs) So why don't you tell about your, how that made you feel? Oh, I felt really safe. When we were started to date, you know, we decided this is going somewhere. I felt, even though I wanted him to kiss me. A lot. I felt really safe. I felt really safe. And I felt like he loved me 
for me. He loved me for who I was. He saw me for who I was. And that was like, I had, I had never felt like I could be myself around a guy like that. Like, I just felt so... I'm so glad that our, worked out for you. For <laughs> it did work listeners. out for us. <laughs> it worked out very well for all us. our young Lucky. listeners that are listening. That's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> but don't despair if that's not your story. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, we do hesitate yeah. to say that sometimes because there's a lot of stories that aren't that way. That just happened to be ours. This just happens to be our story, and I like our story. <laughs> Well, you guys do have a beautiful story. And we're so appreciative that you came and shared with us your love and just part of your journey and being in marriage. You know, marriage is such an important factor. And we believe it's a beautiful thing. But marriage can be hard and relationships can be hard. And so we just want to encourage you that, you know, if you wake up one day and you find yourself married to the opposite, because they say opposites attract that. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be a battle, but you can work through that and find the good in your partner and work through things. And I also would like to encourage you, if you are in a place where you feel like you're struggling in your marriage, is to reach out and talk to people that you admire and who you think are doing marriage very well, because chances are they have gone through struggles and they've worked through things and you can glean from that. So we appreciate you guys coming on and your leadership at the church and the example that you guys give in your personal lives and in your marriage and with your family, because you definitely are letting your light shine. Yes. It's an honor to be here. Thanks. We love you guys. Well, make sure you tune in next week. We've got another special couple that's going to share their journey with us. Welcome to the month of love. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.